Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Halgrimson. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday morning. I know we typically do a ministry short today, but we're doing Easter week. So we did Palm Sunday last Sunday, and then uh, Monday through Friday this week, we're going to go and walk through the time span between Palm Sunday and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which for us is Easter Sunday. And so today we're into the fourth episode, so Palm Sunday plus three, and we are going to go over some of the things today, like the signs of the times, the ends of the age, uh, the coming of the Son of Man, etc. And the first place I want to start out with is in Luke 21, and we're going to look at verses one through four, and this is the widow's two mites. This is a small story, but it's very significant. And it reads, and he looked up, and this is Jesus. So Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. Glory to God, that's good. And like I said, it's such a small story, but it's very significant. Because this widow put in everything she had. So she sowed everything she had. Well, she she can expect truly especially since Jesus noticed it, you know, it it just, it gives such power and such weight to sowing and reaping uh, seed time and harvest because God notices what seems insignificant to others, but is, it's big to him because for that individual, in, in this case, for this widow, it was everything she had. And there are so many recollections in the Word of God where we see, you know, people giving the last of what they had and God rewarding it. You know, you've got the widow with the oil. Uh, You've got the the widow and and the boy with the, the cake. And there's quite a few others in the Old Testament that you can go back and find. So it's significant. God notices. If we think God's got a blind eye, or he's so busy he can't see these things, we're mistaken. He sees it. So let's move into the sign of the times and the end of the age. And this is in Matthew chapter 24, and this is verses 3 through 14. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, again, this is Jesus, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us. When all these, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear rumors, or excuse me, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences, which is pestilences. Another way to say that is uh, epidemics. So there will be famines, there will be pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And so through this all, he's telling us, look, there's going to be these things that occur. Don't be deceived. Don't be troubled. So when we see these things, we don't want to get caught up in the the events that are happening. See them, recognize them, but we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to keep our eyes on heaven above because our salvation is not going to come in these events that are happening. Our salvation is going to come through Jesus, his second coming, right? So we want to pay attention to what we have our eyes focused on. Are we looking too much at the world and seeing all this that's going on and going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Are we paying attention to the instructions of Jesus? Don't be troubled. Don't be deceived. And in order to not be troubled and not be deceived, we need to know the Word of God. We need to be in the Word of God and, and learning and enjoying it. It's, it's a way to fellowship with the Lord. So let's move on to the destruction of Jerusalem. And again, this is Luke 21, 20 through 24. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And this is the great thing. This is what I I, uh, recognize in Jesus through these, these books and these chapters, is that even though he already knew where he was going to end up, and the time was drawing near, we're in like the last few days of his life prior to the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and what's he doing? And I've alluded to this, he's still feeding the sheep. He's still caring for the flock. He's not concerned about self, but he's caring for himself, right? He's still taking care 
for himself. He's still going out and spending time alone with the Father in prayer and in praise and in worship. He's not neglecting that. But he's also not saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a pity moment, and this is my day. I'm going to go take care of me today because, uh, you know, I'm going to die here soon, and that's it. I don't get to enjoy the earth anymore. He didn't do that. He was so focused and so concerned about his flock that everything he did pertained to them. And here he just he just continues to teach. And I think this is such, for me, it's such an impressionable thing. And uh, it's something that I respect and I honor greatly. We're going to go on to the Great Tribulation. Now, you'll notice what I'm doing here. And the notes will be on the, on the website. But what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm going through, with Matthew being the main book that I follow, but I'm going through Mark, Luke, and John and finding where there are uh, significant differences that I want to make sure get included. Because they all see it differently, right? They may see the core the same, but they're going to see little nuances differently because they speak to their heart. And so we need to pay attention to that. And so I was just in Luke. We're going back over to Matthew. We're going to go to chapter 24. Verses 15 through 28. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, and in parentheses it says, whoever reads this, let him understand. And then it goes on. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So I want, before we go to 23, let's take a note of this, right? So that he's saying there's going to be great tribulation. But because of what Jesus is doing, right? This is shortening the days of, of those days of tribulation because otherwise nobody would survive it. And so just like in many instances, God made a way out for man. Well, let's take Noah. If you look at Noah and the the flood of the earth, God made a way out for man. He found a man in his family who would walk with him, and he made a way out for mankind. He has done that repeatedly through history. And here again, through Jesus, he's doing it again. Okay, so verse 23. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. Again, he's telling us there are going to be deceivers. Don't pay attention to those who are set out to deceive. 
For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered. And so we have to pay attention. That's why knowing the word, at least being familiar with the word, so that you can, you know, if you hear something, you see something, and you go, wait a minute, that does not, I mean, it, it, it's, it's setting itself up as being godly and of Christ, but it doesn't seem right. The Holy Spirit is going to witness with your spirit, right? And he's going to tell you, yes, it seems right, or yes, it is right, or no, it's not right. And if you're getting a check, then it's good to go to the Word and confirm what it is that you're seeing, what you're hearing, and not be deceived. Don't rely on somebody else to keep you from being deceived, okay? Because it said, even the elect, even some of the elect will be deceived. And so it's a very dangerous time in that. Uh, the tribulations aren't going to be, to me, would not be what's the worst of it, but the deception would be the worst of it. If if somebody were to deceive me and I get pulled away from Christ and, and uh, yeah, that would be, because see, then there, there's a separation between you and, and the Father, you and the Trinity, right? And, and to me, that would be devastating. It would not be something that, that uh, I want to happen in my life or anybody else's life. I mean, Jesus went through it for us on the cross, and we'll get to that, but I'll point it out right now. When he was on the cross and he he made the comment, God, why have you forsaken me? Or Father, why have you forsaken me? That At that moment, that was the first time in his whole being that he was separated from the Father by sin. And it wasn't even his sin, it was ours. And so that hurt him to all of a sudden be absent from Father God. And so, but let's move on here. Uh, and we will hit on that. It's in the resurrection story. So we will hit on that again. So let's talk about the coming of the Son of Man. And this is Matthew 24, and we're in verse 29. It says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. That's good. That's so good. And then the parable of the fig tree. Now, this is, again, this is Jesus teaching on the way to his own 
uh, death, right? He's still preaching and teaching. And, and now we're going to move over into Luke 21, verses 29 through 33. Again, the notes will be on the website. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. The importance of watching. This continues in verse 34. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Again, I alluded to Noah earlier. So this is similar, right? God spoke to Noah. Noah knew what was coming. It took him, it, it, the, yacht, the yacht, excuse me, <laughs> the ark was not built in a day. It took a considerable amount of time. And so he had all that time and he was warning people of the, the impending doom. And, and God was searching to and fro, looking for people who could be saved. And, and Noah and his family were it. And so it's similar here. He's like, look, don't get caught up in worldly ways. Don't get caught up in sin, in iniquity, in, in transgressions. Don't get caught up in these things. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your focus on me so that you may be saved. And we need to pay attention to that. He goes on and he says, Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So he's saying, look, pray, be counted worthy so that you can escape all these things. So, and this is, to me, this is alluding to the catching away. So there will be a catching away that's pre-tribulation, and in mid-trib, there's a catching away. And so, if we are diligent and we stay prayed up, praised up, we stay in the Word of God, we, we develop that fellowship with the Father. And we don't allow worldly things to get in the way. Now, I'm not saying worldly things are bad. Because they're not. It is the love of worldly things that elevates them between you and God, that makes them an idol, and that's the threat, okay? So don't get caught up in being legalistic and, well, you know, I really enjoy that, that uh, car, I really enjoy my house, I really enjoy a, a video game, whatever it is. And so those are worldly things, and I got to get rid of all of it. It's not what he's saying. He's saying here, look, don't allow anything to come between you and God. If you're doing something and God taps you on the shoulder and he wants your attention, learn to 
respect and honor because he won't insist. God's God's a gentleman. He's not going to insist. He's not going to forcibly interrupt you. He will try to get your attention. But if you ignore him, if you don't allow him time and space, then, you know, he's just going to let things be and you're going to miss something or it's going to be delayed. And or worse yet, somebody else will miss something because what he was trying to get to you was a blessing for somebody else. And so we want to pay attention. We want to make room, be conscious. And I know it's a busy world. There's a lot of distractions. And and sometimes it's good when you get a prodding from the Lord. He's tapping you on the shoulder. And and what I'm saying here is, is so the Holy Spirit, like the word says, the Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit. And so when the Lord taps you on the shoulder and he's prodding you to pay attention to him, sometimes it's good to put down the telephone. It's good to put down the newspaper, the book, whatever it is, the television that is uh, that has your focus at that moment and stop and, and allow the Lord to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. Because he has something at that moment he wants to get across to you. And if it's significant, you know, if it's vital, if he's going to interrupt you, it's important. And and a lot of times, and I've heard other ministers reference this, a lot of times when I get something, I actually have to write it down so that I honor it. I don't give it, um, I don't allow the opportunity for it to be forgotten. Because even though I'll say, oh, I'll remember that, that was so, uh, such a revelation. There's no way I could forget that. And and it's not true. So writing it down, recording it somewhere is a good idea. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And in the daytime, he was teaching in the temple. But at night, he went out and he stayed on the mountain called Olivet. Then early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. So it's not that he didn't take any time for himself, because he did take time for himself to go and and fellowship with the Father, right? To go get prayed up, praised up, and and refilled. I mean, he was constantly giving out, and so he had to care for himself. And in Matthew 24, we see that he gets questioned about, when is this going to happen? When is the second coming? But of that day, and it's Matthew 24, verse 36, sorry. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be, coming, be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and they were drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away so also will be the coming of man. Excuse me, the coming of the Son of Man. 
Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. So he's talking about a catching away here. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, I want to point out what he's saying here is if the the master of the house had known. So, if you schedule it and it's on the schedule, then you're going to rely on, so like our iPhones. If I set an appointment in my iPhone with an alert, then at the proper time, I'm going to be alerted and I'll be prepared. But between now and that proper time, I'm going to totally forget about whatever that appointment is because I've got an appointment set. I've got a reminder set. And so therefore, I feel like in myself, I don't need to devote any attention or any focus to that, any power to it. And so if that reminder doesn't go off, I've totally missed it. And that, that's kind of what he's referring to here, because his coming is going to be unknown. The time and the day, we just don't know. Now, we as believers don't know the time and the day, but we're going to, if we are prayed up, praised up, if we're staying in fellowship with the Father, We've got our relationship built. We're staying in the word so that we're keen and we can recognize things. It will, we will recognize when he's, when he's here and it won't be something that we miss and he's not going to leave us behind. I mean, it says verse 40, see, it says, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken away and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore. Again, be prayed up, praised up, be be fellowshipped with the Lord, fellowship with your brothers and your sisters in the Lord. Stay on top of this. Don't, don't get lax with it so that when the time is right, you are prepared. And that's important. So the faithful servant and the evil servant, Matthew 24, and we're in verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. So what he's saying here is that faithful servant, he's been given instructions and he's faithfully fulfilling those instructions. He's not dilly-dallying because the master is gone. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of. And he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Speaks directly to the coming of Jesus. 
Okay. We know he's coming a second time. He's told us through the scriptures he's going to do this. Now, we didn't walk with him, so we didn't get to hear it firsthand, but we've got the, the scriptures. Okay. We've got the word of God, the truth. And we can read that and we can follow it. So he's saying, look, you've got a choice. Just like we have a choice between blessing and cursing, life and death, we have a choice between being diligent and being irresponsible. Yes, being irresponsible can be fun, but guys, it's only fun for a moment. Whereas being diligent, being faithful in the things that we should be doing, they will be rewarding for eternity. And so we need to be aware of this. We need to pay attention to it and not get sucked in. And so that's the end of what I want to cover today. It's so important that we be aware. And I, I really do enjoy the fact that Jesus is here. He's teaching. It's, it's this time period in between, right? And so and oftentimes we get in these times, in the meantime, I like to call it. Uh, I had somebody teach me that one time, and it stuck with me because God, God says, okay, I want you— this is going to happen. Here's my plan for you. The next, the next step of the plan, go do this. And then there's a, we've done it. And there's a, in the meantime, where we are being diligent, we're not being slack. We're being diligent, yet we're awaiting the instructions for the next part of his plan, right? We're waiting for that. And then, and so this is this is what Jesus is doing. But he's being diligent and he's using this time to prepare his sheep for the future. And if you go back to Jeremiah 29, and I forget exactly what the verse number is, you know, God tells us, hey, I know the plans that I have for you. They're good plans. They're prosperous plans. I have plans to do good for you. And I'm paraphrasing that, but it's not, his intent for us is good. It's not evil. And we need to remember that. So what, what we get from the scriptures, this is God speaking to us, whether it's through Jesus, whether it's through the Holy Spirit, through a prophet, you know, it's, it's him speaking to us, and he's trying to get something over to us. There are so many mysteries in the Word of God, and that in, in itself should not be a burden, but it should be an excitement. There should be an excitement to and a reverence for the Word of God and the mysteries of God, because at the right time, he's going to open them up to us. Each one of us, every one of us is different. Don't compare yourself. Don't get caught up in comparing with somebody else. Your growth, your plan, your pathway, even though it leads to the same destination, is going to look different than mine. It's going to look different than anybody else's. There will be similarities because we're going to the same place and we're dealing with the same scriptures. Okay, we, it's the same God, this, so it's the same Father, the same Son, the same Holy Spirit. But the plan for you 
is going to be different than the plan for me. We're all planned out to be full sons and daughters, so we should be growing into full sons and daughters. But then there's that calling that God puts on our life, and that's going to look different. And each of us have a different personality. We grew up differently. Enjoy it. We, we shouldn't be looking at it and going, oh, you know, gosh, they speak funny or um, why does he do his hair that way or whatever it is. Don't get distracted by the physical. If you have to, close your eyes and hear the person. Listen to them. Receive what's going on. It's it's interesting because if you well, let me let me give you an example. So Jesse Duplantis, and whether you like him or not, it's not important. That's not the message here. But if you've heard him, so when I first started hearing Jesse Duplantis speak, I was not seeing him. I had headphones on. I was working, so I was listening to an audio. And I, for the longest time, so when I listened to him, I had a certain image in my mind of what he would look like, a certain expectation of what he would look like because of the way he sounded. And then when I saw him the first time, it shocked me, it surprised me, because I did not expect, I did not imagine him to be white-haired. Uh, yeah, I just didn't imagine him to look like he does, right? I expected to see somebody else. And so if we get caught up in our perceptions, then we can... We can do injustice to ourselves because we can perceive somebody to be away, to look away, um, to behave in a certain way. And then when we meet them or we, we actually get around them the first time and find out that they're not the way we thought they were, that can be disappointing. And then we can, we can get caught up in the disappointment and we can miss out on the truth, the message. Okay. And it's, that's the vital thing, the message. If somebody were to walk out of the past and, and it, you know, we know they were famous. Uh, well, I shouldn't say famous. They are well-known, whether they're a well-known minister, a prophet, whatever. If they were to walk out of the past into the present, we, we haven't heard them speak. We haven't seen their movements and all of that, the body language, those kinds of things. Even the smell, okay, the fragrance of who they are. We haven't experienced those things. And if they were to walk out of the past and stand in front of us, whether it be Paul or it be Elisha or it be Abraham, Moses, Noah, it wouldn't matter, Shem. If if they were standing before us, would we get caught up in disappointment over worldly things such as appearance or how they smell, how they speak, their body language, those kinds of things? Or would we honor the things of God 
and pay attention to the message that they had for us. See, and that's what we got to pay attention to. We've got a lot of things going on in the world right now. And glory to God, I'm glad we're going through this week because it's even awakening me to uh, some of the things that, that I've allowed to consume part of my focus. And I need to be focused on God and I need to be focused on the Word of God. And so it, it's just, it's very interesting to see the things that are going on in the world. Uh, and it can be such a distraction. There is so much right now that that they are portraying a certain way. And, and they're doing it on purpose. And they're trying to sway public opinion through the manipulation, the twisting, the perverting, the corruption of the truth. And we as Christians, we need to be aware of that. And we need to stand up and we need to say no. And if you look through history, well, let's look at noise, the trumpets. In, in the Old Testament, you will see trumpets being used quite a lot. Okay? He didn't tell man, oh, be quiet. You know, you need to tolerate this. You need to put up with this. You need to just accept this. No. No. What do you tell him? There was instances where he said, hey, get together. Get everybody, get the choir, get the band, get everybody together, and you're going to march around this city once a day playing, right? For seven days on the seventh day, you're going to march around it so many times, and it'll fall. God wants us, he wants our presence known. He wants us to be vocal. He doesn't want us uh, as passive and, glory to God. Walk in love, yes, but tolerance, Jesus didn't tolerate. That's what they're trying to do with us right now with the words of, oh, you're supposed to love everybody and you're supposed to be tolerant of everybody and, and accepting of everybody. Well, I'm supposed to love everybody, yeah. In a godly love way, it's agape love, it's not uh, philo love. It's agape love. And, and as far as accepting and, and being tolerant, no. No. Jesus did not accept that the money changers and the, the livestock salesmen and the Pharisees and the, and the scribes had turned the temple into a den of thieves. He was not accepting and he was not tolerant of that. And he went in and he cleansed the temple. We have to be aware of the twisting, the perverting, the corrupting of the Word of God and the truth by people who don't even know the Word of God, let alone those who stand in the pulpit who have themselves been twisted and perverted. And there are those who, there are deceivers in the pulpit, and we have to be aware of that. But if you don't know the Word of God, if you're not growing yourself, then you're going to be um, susceptible to these people. And so be aware. Jesus spent his last week in life teaching and preaching so that we would be aware, that we would be prepared, and, and that we could stand up and we could be his people, children of God. We, we have a godly father. 
Glory to God. And and we have a Redeemer, Jesus. I mean, he bought and paid for us. And, and then he gifted us the Holy Spirit so that we would never be alone, that we would always have God in us, that we could be the temple that God dwells within. That's good stuff, guys. And, and uh, it's exciting. It's not, don't let it be a, oh my gosh, you mean God's watching over my shoulder? Because eventually what it'll be is, wow, God's walking with me every day, all the time. And he's, he's just waiting on me to, to uh, partake of what he has for me. It's a good thing. It's fun. He's a good God. He's not cruel. And everything he's done has been for our benefit, for our good. And uh, yeah, glory to God. This Easter week, this is special. I'm enjoying this. I've not done an Easter series before. I know it's a lot of scripture to go through, but it's important, guys. It's important that you you have seen and heard some of this scripture and and you can receive it, right? Because you need to be in it. You need to be learning these things. Come learn with me. Every time, and I've said this before, every time I open the Word of God, I learn something new. And I don't have the expectation that one day I will quit learning. I, my belief is we're going to learn for eternity. Even when we're in heaven, we're still going to be learning. Okay? And, and that's good. I look forward to it. I, I get excited about and look forward to my time with God in the Word each day. And, uh, yeah, I pray you do too. So I pray you're having a great Easter week. I'm looking forward to it. We're building up to Sunday, Easter Sunday, and it's going to be really good. And and I'm just enjoying this. And so, you know what? I, I have a blessed day, guys. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow.